toward the end of March of 2021, my family and I traveled down to Columbia, South Carolina for our niece's wedding. My brother's oldest daughter, Bailey, and her fiancé, David, had asked me to officiate their wedding. The rehearsal was on that Friday afternoon, and because of schedules and so forth, we had to drive that Thursday night. We couldn't leave in the day. We had uh, to drive in the evening, arriving to Columbia probably close to one in the morning. While we were driving down I-95 in the middle of North Carolina, all of the sudden I hear this loud knock and then grinding noise from the right rear of my vehicle. I feared the worst. A blown tire, a bad wheel bearing, and perhaps riding on the hub. Feared the worst, like the song goes, you picked a fine time to leave me loose wheels. It could not be good. You know, y'all y'all got that better than the awakening crowd this morning, so <laughs> good job. Thankfully, it happened near the outlet in Smithfield, North Carolina, and we were able to slow down, of course, drag whatever it was, this noise, and found the first parking lot that we could. I got out, walked around to the right rear of the vehicle, and it was not a flat tire gone down, or it was not a, a bad wheel bearing and riding on the hub. The rocker panel molding which runs down the entire right side of the car below the doors from the back of the right wheel to the front of the right wheel had come loose on the front. And we were dragging that thing all the way down the interstate. It was hanging on by one screw there in the back. Thankfully, it didn't come loose because it, it really could have caused damage if somebody were right behind us. It, it would have been very dangerous. There in the parking lot, I was able to twist this big key slid off the hub. And you know me, or if you talk to my family, you know me that I like to try to save things and fix it rather than buying a new one. So I said, all right, y'all, we're putting this in the car. And uh, Melanie and Isabella looked at me. Well, I configured it and angled it in the it, it was up on the back shelf near the back window through the seats, and the front of this rocker panel piece was on the dashboard. And Isabella had to ride the rest of the way to South Carolina with this big piece of car molding next to her. God bless her. So the next morning after you know we had arrived, I got up early and went to the Honda dealership in Irma where my mother-in-law lives. And I told the folks in the service department that I was from out of town in Virginia, and we were here for my niece's wedding and wondering if they might be able to fix this so that I could at least make it back home. Sure enough, about 30 minutes later, the service manager came out from the office and said, Mr. Lee, we got you all squared away, and he handed me my keys. And I proceeded to pull out my wallet so that I could give him my debit card to pay for the service. 
And he looked at me and said, oh, there's no charge. We got you covered. I couldn't believe it. I thank the service manager and the other folks there. And then he said, have a blessed day, and I hope the, me- the wedding goes great. What a blessing. And, you know, now you can tell, you can hardly tell there's any damage. And that piece is still anchored down to my car, I think, better than the one that was on there from the factory. And I'll never forget the kindness that they showed me that day. It, it reminds me that there are still a whole lot of good people and kind people in the world. In the grand scheme of things, it was just a, a piece of plastic molding on my car. But it sure meant a lot to me that day. We're talking about kindness during the month of October in our message series. The series is called Kindness Culture. And we're seeking to continue to cultivate a spirit of kindness in our church and in our community. That Jesus, the good name of Jesus, is glorified as we sang in our hymn earlier this morning. For Christians, we open the series up for Christians learning that kindness or to be kind is to extend God's love and mercy to others without expecting a thing in return. Kindness is to be embodied. Kindness is to be a lifestyle. It's just who we are. It's the foundation of Christianity, I believe. And kindness, as we embody it, is to be enacted through our lives and through our words. The Scottish poet Robert Burns says, the kind heart most resembles God. The kind heart most resembles God. The purpose of our series is to help us see the kindness or to see kindness as it is revealed to us in the three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and through the local church. Last week we established, looking at Psalm 117, that God is the creator of kindness. Today we're looking at the ways in which that kindness of God, the chesed in Hebrew, the loving kindness of God, is reflected in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The writer of Hebrews proclaims the truth that Jesus is indeed the exact representation of God. God and Jesus are the same. The love of God is reflected in the person of Jesus, God in the flesh. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. He said that a number of times. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he said of God's love, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. Jesus is the reflection of the love of God on this earth. Because God is loving and kind and compassionate, so is Jesus. There's no other way. To say that God is kind and Jesus is not would be a falsehood, contrary to what the Scripture teaches us. 
There are lots of examples of the kindness of Jesus in the New Testament. Listen to a few. Remember in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, the story of how Jesus healed the man with leprosy who had approached him. And Jesus not only went to him, Jesus touched him and healed him. And that was out of bounds for not only a Jew, but a rabbi especially. You would be deemed ceremonially unclean if you were in the proximity of one with leprosy. It was thought to be a contagious disease that would make you unclean. Today we know the difference. We know that it is not. It's a disease of the nervous system. It can cause a host of other problems, but it's not a contagious skin disease. And Jesus didn't think twice, and he reached out and he touched him and he healed him. In Luke 19, Jesus called a man, Zacchaeus, who had climbed a tree to see him and called him down, by, called him by name and said, I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, as you know, was a tax collector and considered a sinner. Why would Jesus want to be in the presence of one who is so sinful and betrayed his own community? But that's exactly what he did. To be in Zacchaeus' home would have implied that he would be dining at table with Zacchaeus. One would always have hospitality for a guest. Remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. He spoke to her. He ministered to her, listened to her, shared the gospel with her. Again, stepping outside of the normal cultural and social boundaries of the day. And in Luke 8, Jesus has been summoned to heal the daughter of an official. And all along the way, he feels power released from him. And he stops and turns around. And a woman who had been hemorrhaging with blood for 12 years had touched the hem of his garment, believing that's all she had to do to receive healing. And he called her daughter. And he said, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. We could go on and on with other stories of Jesus extending kindness and compassion to others. But the lesson here is that Jesus did that as the exact representation of God. God in the flesh. Jesus and God are one. Therefore, Jesus is kind because God is kind. Jesus, the reflection of kindness. And as Christians, we're to imitate Jesus. So we are to be the reflection of Jesus in the world. We're to let our light shine as we are kind to one another and kind to others, expecting nothing in return. I'd like to suggest four reasons to be kind. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down. But four reasons to be kind. First, simple, we're to be kind because God is kind. Paul writes, because of God's kindness, you have been saved. It is because the mercy, the compassion, the loving kindness, the chesed of God that we are saved. It's a gift of grace. Grace and kindness always go together. Be kind because God is kind. 
Mercy is God's compassion or loving kindness expressed and given to us when God meets our needs physical, emotional, and spiritual. Grace means that God's mercy is free. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it or work for it. It's free. Grace says it's free. An old Moravian prayer says it like this. Father, through your son we have learned that grace is when you give us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't give us what we do deserve. Be kind because God is kind. Second, we are to be kind because we want others to be kind to us. This is the golden rule. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sums up all his teachings, and he says, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. All that is taught in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and all that the prophets spoke in their ministry to kings and others about doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. The golden rule helps us to empathize with others, like our guiding North Star statement that has emerged here in our visioning, that we are to love, that we are to understand and empathize with our community and the world. The golden rule requires that we imagine how we might put ourselves in the shoes of others. A theologian says it like this, the golden rule requires the imagination to put oneself in the place of another and see their needs. It requires love. Third, we are to be kind because it's good for us. Don't you and I want to engage in things that are helpful to others, but also helpful for us? Jesus said that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying love others, but do that as you love yourself. It's not a self-centered thing, but God desires that we love ourselves. We are created in his image. When we do this with unselfish motives, we are living out the golden rule, and there is great benefit for our bodies and our souls. Listen to the words of a psychiatry professor at Columbia University Irving Medical Center. She writes, kindness might be the critical issue facing our world right now. And I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. She provides clinical data and says kindness helps us to do better mentally and physically with whatever illness or other adversity shows up. Being kind is proven to help us feel better, do better. Her article says data, uh, reports data from a a survey of some 200,000 participants that found that doing things like donating money to charities, volunteering, and spontaneously helping out, and doing other acts of kindness were linked to better physical and mental health. Kindness is good for us. So the 
next time that the member development and mobilization team calls you to serve and ask you to volunteer in the church, right? There's a benefit involved. Not only are you helping others, but you get to feel better yourself. And fourth, we're to be kind because we are called to imitate Jesus. In Philippians 2.5, the Apostle Paul said, writes that we are to have the same mindset of Jesus, or you are to imitate Jesus. Can you imagine what the world might look like if Christians around the world truly took this seriously? Could you imagine? Could you imagine what Twitter would look like? And if you're a Twitter user like I am, Twitter is a social media format. People from all over the globe go on Twitter and they post things, videos, and oftentimes there are arguments back and forth and so forth. Christians, I follow a number of them from all persuasions. And sometimes I go on there and I just can't believe that one Christian would say something for the world to see about another Christian. It makes me wonder what kind of witness that is and what people are thinking who are outside of the Christian faith looking at how Christians treat one another. Could you imagine what it would look like if Christians who engage on Twitter or other forms of social media would seek to imitate Jesus with what they say to other people? Something to think about. Will we take this seriously? So many people, especially non-believers, will see how we treat one another. Often people who are outside of the Christian faith will they'll say, we like your Jesus, but we don't really like your Christianity and we don't like your church. And we want to change that. We can change that if we are simply kind to others. If we make kindness a habit, to be kind as Jesus was kind. Not random acts of kindness, but a pattern or a habit of kindness. Kindness embodied and lived out in our actions and in our words. In our staff meeting each week, we typically reflect on the upcoming sermon text, and we reread it out loud and have some conversation reflection. And this past Tuesday, uh, we talked about kindness not being just random, but a lifestyle. And, you know, some of you may have heard stories or have been in a situation where you're in line at Starbucks and you pay for the person's coffee behind you, which is a wonderful thing. That's very kind. But in staff, we said, you know, the person behind us in Starbucks may not have the most need because they're in line like I am to pay four or five dollars for a drink. Not discounting that, not saying don't do that, but to think about how we can be kind in all kinds or other situations where we sense a need and we seek to meet that need.
kindness embodied as a lifestyle, lived out in our actions and in our words. Sometimes just a smile can make a tremendous difference in someone's day. In the little book, The World According to Mr. Rogers, there's a quote from him I'd like to share with you. He says, Imagine what our real neighborhoods would be like if each of us offered, as a matter of course, just one kind word to another person. There have been so many stories about the lack of courtesy, the impatience of today's world, road rage, and even restaurant rage. And I would add, airplane rage. Sometimes, he says, all it takes is one kind word to nourish another person. Think of the ripple effect that can be created when we nourish someone. One kind, empathetic word has a wonderful way of turning into many. Our daughter's home for fall break, and, and we've enjoyed seeing her. She's a student at James Madison University. And she's gotten involved in the campus ministry there called Inner Varsity Christian Fellowship. And they have Friday night worship. They call it large groups. And she told us not long after attending one of her uh, first large groups about a story that their campus pastor, C.J., told in one of his messages. I'd like to tell you that story. C.J. lives fairly close to campus. You can walk to the football stadium from where the neighborhood is located. At the beginning of the semester, he said a lot of students were parking on his street and other streets in his neighborhood and then walking to campus to their classes. Well, apparently somebody told the neighborhood association or the HOA about it, and the homeowners association made a decision that they would not allow any parking on the street uh, and created a process that they had to follow, homeowners had to follow. The homeowners could have a certain amount of guest passes, but anybody who parked without a pass, uh, their vehicle would be towed. One morning, CJ was outside and probably walking his dog, and he saw, uh, saw a student come up and park directly in front of his house there on the street. And CJ knew that there's a possibility that his car could be towed. So he walked up and introduced himself to the student and told the student about the new HOA rule that had been passed. Now, as I'm hearing this story, I'm thinking that CJ is probably going to tell the student that he uh, needs to move his car or he'd have to have his vehicle towed. But CJ said, wait here just a minute. And he went back into his house. And then he came out with a piece of paper and handed the student one of his guest passes. And he said, you are now my guest. 
And as long as you have this pass with you, you are free to park here in front of my house as my guest all year long. What a wonderful act of kindness. What a wonderful way to give mercy to someone in a time of need and to extend grace to them. Not judging, not being legalistic according to these are the rules, but rather finding a way to extend kindness. Not expecting anything in return. He didn't say, if you come to large group next Friday, I'll give you a parking pass. It was simply grace. Not expecting a thing in return. How will you and I embody kindness this week through our words and our deeds? How will we seek to imitate Jesus and be kind to others? One kind, empathetic word has a wonderful way of turning into many. The kind heart most resembles 